church about six or seven years ago, I went on a long walk with Shelley and I had this sudden desire as I was walking with her that I, to, to take up running. I decided I was going to be a runner and so I did. And what I quickly discovered is that it was really, really hard. And if you've never run much before, it's only probably about five minutes in that you hit your first wall. This feeling of complete and utter suffering quickly rises to the top and and, and the pain just overwhelms you and all you want to do is just stop. And this battle begins between the mind that wants you to keep going and your body that feels like you might just die right here, right now. And, and, And the battle rages. But I knew that if I was going to take this running thing at least half seriously, I had to keep trying. So each day, I'd go out and just do a little bit more. I would just try that little bit harder. And each time I'd hit that wall, and I just hated the feeling, and I just wanted to quit every time. Not only did it hurt physically, I was just mentally wrecked by it all. But I kept going. A few days in, I started to record my distance, how far I was running on my phone with an app that I'd downloaded. A couple of weeks later, I bought some shoes, some running shoes. Then I learned what stretches I needed to do at the beginning of each run just to make it a little bit better. Then I got some headphones to play some music while I was running, and that actually helped as well. Then I found another app called Couch to 5Ks. Now, this is a good little app. It was free at the time, and it would just push me a little bit more every day to go from just being a couch dweller to being a 5K runner. I discovered I could do just that little bit more before that wall would hit each and every day. And after a few months of doing this program, you know, probably about five days a week, I finally got to the point of being able to run 5Ks without stopping. And eventually I could do those 5Ks and still actually feel good at the end of it. And I never, I could get to the end without having to hit the wall. Now it was hard. Many days I had to drag myself outside. Many times when I stopped, I felt like I wanted to throw up and all I wanted to do was go home and watch TV instead. And I had many times where I thought, what is the point of this? It's too hard. But I pushed on and the first day I got to that line, you know, the 5K mark without stopping, I was so happy. I'd reached my goal. I felt like I'd finally made it. There was nothing else in life that was better than this at that moment. Now, sadly, a few months later, my knees decided I wasn't allowed to be a runner anymore. And with a great disappointment, I had to stop. But that's a story for another day. But as I was reading through Hebrews this week in our immersed reading plan, I came across that famous passage in chapter 12, where the author of Hebrews describes the Christian life like a race. He says, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. And I was reminded of those challenging times in that short season of running that I had. You know, how hard it got. How much I wanted to stop. The amount, of, the amount of times I'd hit that wall and just say, I'm quitting, or I wanted to quit. And that was just for 5Ks. You know, I know some of you actually run half marathons and maybe even whole marathons. Like the idea of 40 kilometers, that makes me feel sick just thinking about it. But... You do it, and I'm amazed by that. 
But this is what the Christian life is like. The Bible says it's kind of like a race. But it's not a short sprint. It's not even a series of short sprints. It's one big long marathon, you know, from the first year when you committed your life to Jesus all the way up to uh, that, that last year when you're, you're basically, when you, when you finish here on earth and you go to be with God in glory. That's the finish line, really, isn't it? But here's what I learned from God this week. God not only wants you to finish well, it's not just about the finish. He wants you, the race to go well for you as well. He wants you to run a good race. So let's read it together. Hebrews 12, starting at verse 1. This is what it says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Now, I just want to pause there for a second. Because you may be wondering, what's the writer of Hebrews talking about there? This huge crowd of witnesses is not just those around us now. Because immediately before this passage, if you've ever read Hebrews chapter 11, and I know many of you have now because you're reading through the whole New Testament at the same time, there's a long testimony for the whole chapter of many, many faithful men and women of faith. And they and, and there's a story of a testimony of how they over came insurmountable or seemingly insurmountable obstacles and achieved amazing things for God, but only because of their deep faith in God. That's the point of what the Hebrew writer is trying to tell us. And that great host of faithful people, they bear witness to a life of faith still today. That's what, that's what they're trying to say. That's what the Bible's saying. So to, today's message starts with that in mind. You have the stories of God's faithfulness and of the outcome of bold faith in your hands to remind you that Bible that you have is there to remind you of that. The Bible calls us to likewise run a marathon that follows God's calling all the way to the finish line. And it is a marathon. It's a life and it's filled with bold faith. Just like Abraham, just like Noah, just like Moses and David and Ruth and Rahab and many, many others. They, they set the example for us to follow. I'm talking about running the race of life that is more than just stumbling across the line. Now, you know, you've all seen the, uh, the TV footage or the photos of those men and women who have done a, a marathon or, or a, a triathlon or something like that, and they've literally stumbled across the line. They've, they've crawled the last, you know, 30 metres or whatever it is on their hands and feet. They're so determined to get there, but they're wrecked. They're completely ruined. You've all seen those images, but I'm not sure that that's God's will for us in the race that we're running, that, you know, that we, just, we just kind of collapse over the line. I don't think that that's his will for us. Even if our particular race is harder than others, and it is harder for some than it is for others, there is still something about the journey that is just as, as important as crossing that finish line. I'm talking about a life that has uh, many faithful success, successes along the way, you know, lots of mini victories, as well as perseverance and endurance through all of the difficult times that come. Let's keep going because this morning we're going to find out how we can do that, how we can be like the faithful greats, the greats in, in our Bible that um, just went after God and did everything with bold faith. This is for each and every one of us. So to run a good race of faith, number one is this, you have to shed excess weight or you'll trip up. So let's go back to Hebrews. 
Back to verse 1 again. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Now, first and foremost, church, if you want to, if you want to run a good race, you've got to deal with the junk that slows us down, the stuff that's weighing you down. You just have to. The excess stuff that's not right, that's not healthy. You can't run a good race with all that stuff. You know why? Because you'll just constantly sabotage yourself. You'll constantly trip up. You have to ask yourself these questions. You know, what is it in my life that's slowing me down right now? Just take a moment to reflect on that. What are the things that I'm doing that are interrupting my calling? You know, what is God calling me to do? And how is the junk in my life weighing me down and stopping me from doing that? And what are the things that are distracting me? What are the things that get between me and God or between me and other relationships? What are the things that are causing me to doubt or are squashing the bold prayers that God wants me to actually pray? You know, if I was a real marathon runner, I'd take a good look at my diet and find anything that adds excess weight. I'd check my running equipment, my training routine, my coach. I would consider who's giving me advice. You know, who am I reading? Who am I listening to? But most of all, I would shed anything that's going to sabotage my ability to run a good race. You know, we can still run a race, but it won't be a good race if we hold on to that junk. It's a race, but it's not a good race. If we want to run a good race, we have to shed all the excess weight. When it comes to the race of life, sin is the thing that sabotages us the most. And I'm sure uh, you know what sin is, but if you don't, it's basically anything that is in opposition to God's law and to his will. It's things we do against God and against others, basically. It's sin that adds all the extra weight to our race of life. It weighs us down, and often it brings us to a complete halt. In fact, you know, the author says it trips us up. We might think we're running a good race and that we've got a handle on all this excess baggage until suddenly, suddenly we find ourselves, you know, splat, flat on our face. We've been tripped up by our own doing. I don't need to tell you how destructive sin is. I don't need to tell you how much God hates it because it's the opposite of who he is and it's incompatible with him. It's incompatible with holy living. You know, there's a TV show on at the moment. It's just called Ambulance and it follows around paramedics just for a shift and they do a whole bunch of things. And, uh, but one of the things I've heard them saying of late, especially when they're in a really bad situation, perhaps it's a car accident and someone's passed away, They'll get on their radio and back to, um, to the headquarters or to the hospital and they'll say something along the lines of, this person has injuries that are incompatible with life. That's what the paramedics say. And it's the same result of sin. It makes us incompatible with holy living. In fact, it makes us incompatible with God. That's, that's what sin does. He hates it because of what it does to us and what it does to our relationship with him. That's how serious it is. That's why Jesus had to die to take away that sin. 
So listen to what God is saying this morning. Take stock of the sin that weighs us down and trips us up because life is so much better when we strip those things off. That's what the Bible said. That's what we just read. You've got to strip away the things that trip us up, especially those sinful things that are incompatible with holy living. Now, you can defeat sin. You can. Because you have, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit who lives in you and gives you the power to overcome. Sin was conquered and death was conquered when Christ rose from, from the grave. The other thing is you have a church filled with supporters who are cheering you on. And, you know, and when you, if you do trip yourself up, and that does happen to all of us, all of, all of us here in the church are here to gently pick you up and dust you off and help you get going again. That's, that's the beauty of the church. That's Jesus and that's the church. So number two is this. Pace yourself or you'll burn out. It's about going the distance and finishing well. It's not about speed. Because the rest of verse 1 says, And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us with endurance. How often have we answered the call to live a life for Jesus with a flurry? We go all in with expectation and enthusiasm and only a few months later we're exhausted we're disappointed, and sometimes we might even be hurt. You know, the pastor talked about the life in Jesus, and he read a verse that said that Jesus came to give us life to the full. And where's my life to the full? Well, the problem with that kind of faith is that we've based it just on our immediate circumstances. You know, we're basing it on our feelings. That's not faith that paces you through to the end of the race. Probably the greatest man of faith in the Old Testament is Moses. You know, he, he wrote a big chunk of it for starters. He had to lead millions of people through the desert for 40 years, over 40 years. And not only was it incredibly hard, he didn't even get to the promised land. But he was faithful to the end. And I'm sure he's as close to God in heaven than anybody. How good would it be to meet Moses one day as well? I'm looking forward to that one. My point is that Moses' faith was based not on his circumstances. You know, if it was, he would have given up a thousand times. If it was, he would have burned out as soon as Pharaoh said no to him the first time or the second time or the third time or at the Red Sea with the army coming behind him or when there wasn't enough food and water or when the people just kept complaining and complaining and complaining and they kept told, telling him he wasn't good enough. Here is what I'm saying. Don't ever base your faith on your present circumstances because you will lose your faith if you do that. And you'll drop out of the race. Here is the basis of our faith. This is it. Christ died for you. He rose from the grave. He redeemed you when you asked for forgiveness. He promised you eternal life. He promised you to never leave you. He sent the Holy Spirit to empower you and he has promised eternity with him. That's where we're basing our faith, church. That's the basis right there. Not how good you feel, not how healthy you are, not how wealthy you are, not how good your life is going at the, right now, not your job situation, your family situation, you know, your health, what's happening to you with your friends or your church, not even... Not even if he's not answering the prayers, your prayers in the way you want him to. You know, those things are not the basis of our faith. I believe God 
does answer our prayers, by the way. You know, the word says he will. And even if he didn't, what Christ has already done and has promised to you is enough. His grace is enough. Amen. If you believe that, you can type an amen in the comments. So pace yourself. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. When you hit a wall, you may have to slow down. You may have to rest and reflect. But you're still in the race. You stay there. You hold on to your faith and you keep moving forward with Jesus. Speaking of which, point three is this. Listen to your coach. He's the best one you have. Or he's the best one there is. So we're up to verse two now. Now we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. He's the coach. We keep our eyes on him. You know, this has been a bit of a theme of late, I've noticed. But what is happening right now in our world feels like it's weighing us down, doesn't it? It's distracting us in some ways. You know, it hurts. Some of us feel like we've hit that wall I was talking about. And all that's true and those feelings are okay. You don't have to deny them. You don't have to pretend they don't exist. But the marathon is still before us. And Jesus is clear here. If you don't want to stumble or burn out or give in to fear, it's eyes on Jesus. That's the answer right there. He's the best life coach there is. And here's the best bit. The coach is not at the finish line, you know, calling out to you, come on, you can make it. He's not, he's not waiting there in the distance. He's one of those coaches that runs along beside you. He's right there with you, encouraging you, spurring you on, telling you how great you're doing, supporting you, and sometimes warning you, sometimes disciplining you. Sometimes, maybe even teaching you a hard lesson. Because the coach is also our God, and so we trust that he knows best. Keep reading chapter 12, by the way, if you want to know a little bit more about how that works. But the wise, powerful, loving coach is there with you every step of the way. You're not alone, but if you take your eyes off Jesus, you will think you are alone, and the chances are you will give up. Keep your eyes on Jesus Keep reading his word every day like we've been doing. Keep praying with your small group. Keep praying with your family. Keep having those moments of being still, just you and the Lord, knowing and know that he is God. Number four, always remember the prize at the finish line. Let me just say this. It will be worth it. It will be worth it all. Let's continue in Hebrews. We're in the second part of verse 2. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Because of the joy that was awaiting him, he endured the cross. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Verse 3, think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. You keep your eyes on Jesus. You remember the prize. You remember what's going to happen at the finish line. The promised prize at the finish line is what keeps us going. We know it will be worth it all. Jesus showed us how we face the most difficult of times. He didn't give up. He didn't stumble. He didn't go against his father's will. He surrendered to God, to his will, and looked at what was needed and what was ahead. He looked ahead, knowing the joy of what was coming means that it was going to be worth it all. And it's the same for us, church. Listen to this. 
Run a good race. It will be worth it all. When it seems too much, remember this life is short and eternity is long and there is a reward and a prize at the finish that makes it all worth it. You know, the Bible tells us there'll be no more tears, there'll be no more pain, there'll be no more suffering, we won't be burdened with sin anymore, the devil will be defeated once and for all. We'll see Jesus face to face and eternity with him and our current struggles, they'll eventually fade away as memories. If you're listening at home and you're running the race without Jesus, I'm here to tell you there is no prize at the end of that kind of race. And this race right now has no meaning and no hope. He wants you to change lanes and run a new race with him, one that does have meaning and does have hope. You can be in relationship with God today and the way to do that is to turn to Jesus and live a new life with him as your Lord. You have to believe Jesus is who he says he is, the Son of God who died and rose again. You have to ask him to forgive your sins and be your Lord from this point onwards. And I won't lie to you, it's an all or nothing proposition. But a relationship with Jesus is why you exist and he made you for that purpose and he's calling you to him. And if you want to do that, I'm just going to invite you If you want to be a follower of Jesus today, I want to invite you just to pray with me right now. You can just echo some of the things I'm praying yourself after me. And today you can say, I'm going to run the race with Jesus and be one of his followers. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just acknowledge who you are. You are God. You are the Messiah. You are the creator of all things. And we need you. We believe, Lord, that you came and died and rose again. And this morning we, we say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Today I make you my Lord and King. I commit myself to you everything for you. I receive your grace. I receive your mercy. Now help me to live a new life with you. In Jesus' name, amen.